Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. The series we just got out of from the month of June was called Against All Odds. And I would highly encourage for you to take some time, go back and watch it if you weren't here, because it's all about the times when God shows up in an amazing, incredible way, and it didn't make sense, but we're good with it, right? It's like, that was awesome. Like, I'm not going to ask questions. We're good. But that's great. But the other side, I feel like, is when terrible things are going on, when circumstances aren't going the way that we would like, And we're kind of left wondering, (laughs) that doesn't make sense, God. Why is it happening? And it's even more difficult when people in your life really, really want to share with you the awesome stuff, right? Like you're going through something and you go to maybe your group or you're with some family and friends and someone comes in and they're like, poof, hey, I just want to tell you, oh man, the Lord did something awesome. I went to Target this week and God gave me the best parking spot in the whole lot. And I was like, oh, would you look at God? Mmm. And I'm like, hashtag, you make me sick. I'm like, you really needed to walk, so you probably should have parked a little farther back. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just, I'm just being honest. We have moments, okay? It's a struggle sometimes. Or maybe it's when you hear like the perfect preacher story and you hear, man, that's awesome. But I'd have never experienced that. It's like, it reminds me of the time I was walking through downtown Atlanta with some of my friends. And this woman came up to me out of nowhere, it seemed like, and she said, can I read your palm? And I said, thouest may. Because when I witness to people, I speak in King James English, okay? (laughs) So as she read my palm, she said, I noticed that the lines in your hand form a cross. And I said, well, that's because, I mean, Jesus paid it all for me on the cross. She said, I can feel this unusual heat coming off your hand. I mean, what is that about? And I said, that's the love of God made real in this moment so you can feel him. And she was like, this is incredible. So people started to gather wondering what was happening. Was just as I was about to tell them about Jesus, this van full of tourists stopped. They were looking for directions. And they were like, what's happening? And I said, well, you think you're geographically lost, but you don't know Jesus yet. So let's all get together. And we did. And now they're all missionaries in far parts of the world telling the world about Jesus, right? (laughs) Glory to God be forever, you know. (laughs) Now, that didn't actually happen, (laughs) okay? But we hear those stories and we're like, that's incredible, but I've never experienced that. Or maybe it's, you know, we're going through a tough time, life has been difficult, there's a a sickness, there's a financial hardship, a relationship that we wish would get better. And in the midst of all that, we hear or we see our friends and family and people we go to church with and they're being blessed incredibly. We're like, God, I serve you so much, like, why am I missing out right now? And we have these struggles, and we wonder, really, I mean, if we're being honest, there are times when it feels like we know God can do amazing things, but He's not showing up. Or maybe He doesn't seem to really even care about what I'm going through. And if we're just being honest today, and you don't have to raise your hand, but if if you would say today that you have experienced one of those moments where life didn't make sense, you were waiting for God, and you haven't seen them show up yet. Just raise your hand. I'm just curious. I appreciate your honesty. Wow, that's a lot of us. Because we're human, right? 
And so today, as I was thinking and preparing about what I would talk about, we try to make this time very, very practical for you because we want you to walk away with something that you can put in practice when you leave that will help put your life on an on a onward track with God to know Him better. But honestly, <laughs> because of the content, I don't know that it's so much practical as it is, and this, uh, this is our title today, things that we can remember, the kind of what to remember when God just seems inattentive. My hope for you as we go and we look through these things today that they're helpful reminders that when you're in these tough spots that you can hold on to these truths and know that God is still with you and he cares even if it doesn't seem like it or makes sense in that moment. So I want to go ahead and dive into the first truth today that we can remember, and it's this, that just because God is silent, and you can write this down on your program if you would like, just because God is silent does not mean that God is absent. Just because God is silent doesn't mean that he's absent. You may feel like you can't hear him right now, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't hear you. You may feel like you can't feel his presence in your life, in this place, or even in this moment, but that doesn't mean he's not with you. And just because he's silent doesn't mean that God is absent. So our story today is all about this idea of what we should do and what we can learn when God seems inattentive. Now, in case you don't know, if you've never heard the story, we're going to be looking at this guy named, everyone say John. And John is an interesting guy. He's a preacher. He's a prophet. His job was to prepare the way for the Lord. In fact, he would go around telling people in Jesus' day, repent and turn from your sins, be baptized, and follow and wait for the Messiah. And so as he would set this up, John did some weird things, though. John, I mean, just imagine with me for a moment, if I was on stage right now wearing animal skins. You'd be uncomfortable I might be a little more confident as a speaker right now, you know what I'm saying? Because that's a pretty bold thing to do. But that's John. John's walking around in some animal skins. He eats wild honey and locust. That's bugs. Disgusting, okay? Like, I'm not going to eat a bug, okay? But that was John's thing. And he really didn't take mm-hmm off of anybody. So the common people loved him. They, they absolutely loved John because he would call out the things that he saw wrong in their nation and hold people accountable. And that's where the, our story kind of picks up today. John has, has called out this king. His name is King Herod Antipas. And he is not the best leader. He's done some pretty bad things. In fact, as we look at our story, King Herod decides that he's married, but he really is interested in his brother's wife. Everybody say, ooh. <laughs> ooh, the plot thickens, right? And so that's what ends up happening. King Herod divorces his wife and marries his brother's wife, Herodias. Now, I hope that she was better looking than her name implied. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Like, that's rough. But anyway, so John calls out this scandal, and he says it's not right. And, and we pick up our story here in Mark 6, verse 17. It says, For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested. So this came to a boiling point. He is really upset by John getting all up in his business, and he has him thrown, uh, bound up and thrown in prison. He did this, it says, because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to what? Kill him. To kill him. Now let me pause for a second. Here's the thing. 
Women are pretty, and they smell nice, but you mess with some of them, they'll cut you. <laughs> and there's all kinds of things I, would, I think would be funny and we could say, but I, in fear of being cut, I'm just not going to say. I'm going to keep them to myself today. But Herodias does not like John. She hates him because he has been all up in her business. She doesn't like that, and that's how we're at this place now. And it says she wanted to kill him, but we continue, but she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. So let's get some more context. So John is doing all the right things for Jesus, right? Jesus is the Messiah, the one who is to come, the Savior that will save all people. And John's been preaching, I mean, repent, be baptized, turn from your sins. He would even say things like, I'm not even worthy to untie the sandals on Jesus' feet. And when people would come, he would say things like, I must decrease and Jesus must increase. And even things like when Jesus' follower or people would start to follow John, he'd say, no, 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 no. You're missing the point. Follow Jesus. It's not about me. I'm just pointing you to this guy. So all of, he's doing all these great things. He even does the right thing by pointing out this scandal. And what happens? He's thrown in prison? What? Kind of seems like that shouldn't be how it goes, right? And I don't know about you, but if I'm John and I'm, you know, Jesus' cousin, I'm thinking he's going to show up soon, right? Yeah. I mean, like, Jesus can do some pretty awesome things, so maybe he'll, like, poof in the jail and break down the, the chains and the, the walls, and I'll just bust out of prison. But where we start to see in this story, we take a turn, is John has been waiting and waiting for Jesus to come, and he hasn't come yet. So let me ask, kind of poll the audience here, what do you think John was experiencing? So if you think John's faith stayed rock solid, I don't want you to just raise your hand. I'm just curious. You think John stayed true. He continued to believe that something was going to happen soon. Okay, awesome. If you think John had some doubts, like, is this really going to take place? Like, am I going to get out of prison? Just raise your hand. I'm curious. Okay, wow, awesome. And the third group is, I don't know where this is going, so I'm not going to vote either way. Okay? <laughs> awesome. Okay, awesome. I appreciate the honesty. That is awesome. Well, John has some doubts. He's really wondering if, I mean, he knows about Jesus, obviously, he's his cousin, but what's going to happen next? So we take a look at another gospel, Matthew 11, to see what's really taking place with John. So it says, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah. Now, we don't exactly know how John heard. We're guessing that one of Jesus' followers came into prison to visit John and was telling him all these incredible things that were taking place. I mean, just like, hey, you, you just don't even understand. Like, Jesus is doing, all, like, he's doing miracles and we can't even imagine. And John's like, okay, but like, when's he coming? Like, when's Jesus going to come here? And he's like, no, 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 you miss it. See, like, there are people who were deaf and they can hear. Like the blind are receiving sight, Jesus casting out demons, and dude, he turned water into wine. Water into wine. That's crazy, right? And John's like, okay, that's cool. But when's Jesus going to quit with all the party tricks? And he's actually going to come and do this. He's going to come help me out. And so in the midst of that, you know, maybe he was expecting Jesus' response when he asks this next question. It says, when John was in prison, heard about these deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, this is Jesus, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? So John's thinking, 
I'm here in prison, and Jesus, you're not. I mean, I've been preaching, Jesus, you're the one. Like, I was pretty sure that you're the one. Like, I've been around you. I, I know you're the one. But are you really the one? And maybe he was expecting Jesus to say something like, hey, you know, I'll be there soon. Like, we haven't broken you out yet because Peter and Thomas are going to come in there with swords and they are going to throw this place down. Like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Just wait. Some, you know, I'll do some magic power, poof, and you'll be free. But that's not how Jesus responds. We pick back up in verse 4. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. But here's the kicker. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So I'm sure John's like, what? Jesus, I did the right thing. And you're telling me, blessed if I don't struggle and have doubts about whether or not you're the Messiah? You're the one? You haven't even come and saved me. I mean, like, are you, are you serious right now? And better yet, you didn't even come and tell me yourself. You sent a messenger to come say this for you. So what's the deal, Jesus? And this reminds me of, like, when people send you something personal in a group text. That is the worst, right? Just like, send me a, a message to my, like, just to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to text everybody. Okay, not everyone needs to know this business. That's how John felt. He's like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, Jesus, you couldn't just come and take care of this now. And so this story, though, gets weirder and weirder. So while John is waiting in prison, the King Herod decides, I want to have a party. So he throws this huge keg party. Now, I don't know if they actually had kegs, okay? But it was like, everybody's going to get drunk party. And so they all get drunk, and Herod's like, man, you're my best friend. You're my best friend. We're all best friends, guys. I love all of y'all. And so this is kind of an odd scene, you know, what's happening. But all of a sudden enters his wife Herodias' daughter, so his stepdaughter, Salome. Now, she's a teenager, and we, we find out that she does some kind of dance that makes everyone in the room, they're just amazed. They're like, whoa, it's, it's crazy. Now, in the purity of my pastoral mind, I'm thinking she's a ballerina doing a little dancing, you know what I'm saying? Little spins and some stuff with her little tutu on, like, it's all good. But for all we know, she could have been twerking. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if that was a thing back then. I mean, we don't know. She could have been dancing on a pole. We don't know. Like, there are things. But whatever it was, the people loved it. King Herod's like, that is the best dance I've ever seen. And so, Salome, you can have whatever you want. Like, anything you want, girl, you got it. And, what, I mean, what is he doing here? He's showing off his power. He's got all these guests over. He's like, remember, I'm the king. Like, I can do whatever I want. And, I mean, what's the worst that could happen, right? She's a teenage girl. She's going to ask for a new iPhone, maybe a pony or a new car, or maybe some tickets to a Jonas Brothers concert. Like, like what's the worst it could possibly be, right? So she goes, Salome asks her mother Herodias, Remember, the cut you lady asks her, what should I ask the king for? And she, the story twists again. She says, I want the head of John the Baptist. So, yeah, I mean, we take a complete turn. And because of his guests and because of all the people who are here, he's made an oath. He promised whatever she wants. So he's going to have to give it to her. And if you don't know the story, this is how it unfolds. 
as Herod sends the executioner into the prison cell to behead John, just as he's about to kill him, all of a sudden the earth shakes. And there's a great earthquake. And seven angels of the Lord appear with flaming swords, and they strike everyone blind except Herodias. And they say, oh no, you're going to have to watch this. As they give everyone right there hemorrhoids right on the spot. Boom. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's crazy. And so they, they use their flaming swords to cut open the prison doors and all the shackles and chains fall. And as the music swells and the smoke rises, there comes John emerging from the depths of the prison, his face painted blue, and he yells, freedom! <laughs> now, that's how I would have done it at least, okay? <laughs> like some Braveheart, Mel Gibson, it would be awesome, okay? <laughs> Just because that's really the way we expect these stories to go, right? And if we add to the American brand of Christianity, we'll take it a step further. When John is freed, he gets the keys to the city, and he gets a raise. And he gets a brand new house in the suburbs. It is, man, he's living in the lap of luxury. And remember how he wears animal skins? Well, he marries a smoking hot animal skin model. Boom. That is some justice served right there, right? They have a couple of kids and they, name, they get a cat. And you know what they name the cat? Herodias. Drop the mic, it's done, right? Like, that's the way God works, right? Because if we're being honest, that's the way we want it to play out. Because if, we're, if we really, if we're honest for a moment, we want God to serve all of our needs. We want it all to be about the things that I want, right? Like God is here to make my life better, right? But that's not the way this story goes, unfortunately. So as we jump back into Mark chapter 6, 26 through 28, it says this. The king, this is Herod, was greatly distressed. But because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioners, or an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in prison, and brought back his head on a platter. Let me read that one more time. The man went, beheaded John in prison, and brought back his head on a platter. I mean, don't brand me as a heretic here, but if I'm being honest, I don't like the way that story ends. I don't like it. John has done all these things. He's followed Jesus, and we don't get a Braveheart experience. It ends with him dead. So what do we do when God seems inactive? What do we do when we know God can do the impossible but he doesn't show up the way we expect. What do we do when God just doesn't make sense? And so if we're to take a step back from this, which I think we need to, we need to ask some really, really important questions. So even though it didn't turn out the way John wanted to, what was John's purpose? I think it was to prepare the way for Jesus, right? Can we agree on that? It was all about making the way for the Savior possible. And, and can we agree that that happened? Okay, so John's purpose, even though it turned out really badly for him, the way he didn't expect, his purpose was fulfilled. And what about God's purpose? It was to send a Savior to be the, the price for all mankind to know him, right? To bring people back to himself. So can we agree that that happened through Jesus as well? Agree on that? Okay, so with that being said, we see that 
the, the purpose that God had for John with Jesus and for all humanity happened, it just didn't happen in a way that we like, and I'm sure John didn't like. So where does that leave us? It brings me to point number two, our, our second truth for today, and I would encourage you to write this down. It's that you don't have to understand the plan to trust God's purpose. You don't have to understand the plan to trust in God's purpose. Now I want to take a look at Proverbs 19.21 because I think it's really going to be helpful for us as we try to process, you know, all this that's playing through our mind right now, maybe even in your own stories and situations. It says this, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's, what's that word? Purpose. Purpose that prevails. You may want to underline that phrase, the Lord's purpose that prevails, or circle it or put a star by it. Because I think if we all have a, maybe a, a playbook, if we were God, this is how I would make this happen, right? Like I would write this wrong, I would make this thing change in my life because I, I know what would be best. But we can't do that. So where are we when we don't understand God's plan but we're supposed to trust in his purpose. Well, I can tell you from personal experience. When I was a junior and a senior in high school, I was actually, I came to this church, and I had the opportunity to intern in the youth ministry under the youth pastor at that time. And I loved it. This is where I met Jesus. This is where I found my calling to full-time ministry. Now, every person's called to ministry when you follow Jesus. But for me, it was just full-time. And so everything changed here. And right out of high school, I was offered a job here as the kids director. Now, let me tell you, I'm young now, but man, I was young and inexperienced then, okay? I was figuring a lot of things out on the fly, and we had a great team of leaders that were pouring and investing into me so that I could be a better leader. And so for a year and a half, I mean, I was working with kids and loved every second. Now, I was also going to college, Point University at the time, and the school, when I started, was in East Point over by the airport about a 45-minute ride, so I would commute. But with my sophomore year, the school moved from East Point, Georgia, all the way to West Point, Georgia, which is basically in Alabama, and it was an hour and 45-minute drive. So I was trying to lead a team while I was in school from afar, and it was just really, really difficult. It was a really tough time for me, for the team, trying to figure out how do I navigate being a leader when I'm not even physically there. And so the decision was made that it would probably be best for me to step down. And I, I made this decision because I didn't want to hurt the ministry because I just couldn't be here because I wanted to finish school. And that's easier said, you know, easier said than done, right? Because for me, that meant leaving my home. That meant leaving my church family behind, the place where I had found my purpose and my calling and all these things that have, I mean, just been so important in my life. And so my wife, Morgan, we were dating at the time. She can tell you, man, I was just broken and lost. I didn't know what to do. I was lonely. And so six, about six months pass, and one of my roommates tells me that a local church in West Point, West Point First United Methodist, was looking to hire a student director. And I had prayed. I was like, God, I don't even know that I want this, but if this is what you want, then I'll go for it. And sure enough, I got the job, and it was an amazing experience for two years. Those, those people treated me like their son, a lot of them like their grandson, and we just had a great time. And I still talk to people from that church today. I love them. 
But when I graduated college, I, had an, I really wanted to be back at home for some personal reasons, to be back here in Stockbridge. And so God provided an opportunity for me to work at yet another church in Conyers in kids ministry again. And that was a great year. I loved it. An amazing church, amazing staff, amazing people. But I was going through some stuff that I could not wrestle. I, there were issues. Um, there were, I mean, I just couldn't figure out what to do. And so I got burned out. And I remember praying in my office, Lord, if you cannot provide me with something else, I'm done. I'm not done with church, but I cannot continue to do full-time ministry. This is just too painful. It's too much. I don't want it. So if there's not something else for me, I'm out. And a week and a half later, Pastor Chesney Dorsey from the family ministry pastor here gives me a call out of the blue. I'm about to get married, and she's like, hey, we're interviewing for a student pastor position. Would you be interested? And I had to like, you know, not on the phone, like put it down. And like, I'm like, yes, this would be awesome. And three years almost now after the fact, I was, I was hired and brought back to be part of this church family again. Why am I sharing this with you today? Because through all of that journey, all I wanted was to be here. At every other place I went, all I did was talk about my time at SCC. And so God, even though it didn't make sense to me in the plan, he was bringing about a purpose where I could come back and be home. So I, what I want to tell you today, church, I don't, I mean, I'm guessing it was, I mean, I don't know, but I feel pretty confident that God was developing me as a leader, as a person, so that when I came back, I could be the right person to be the leader that I needed to be. And I'm not finished yet, but thank you. And God is good, right? He is good. And I'm still figuring out what it means to be a leader, okay? Like, the journey never ends. But God has been faithful in this. And at the time, it was painful, and it was difficult. And there are many other times, even now in my life, where there have been things that just don't make sense. I can't understand why this person has to be sick. I don't understand why financial hardship continues to happen in the lives of people that I love. Why a relationship that there has been so much effort put in, so much prayer, but it feels like God has not shown up yet. And in the midst of that, even when I doubt, I rely on the truth Amen. that is, I don't have to understand the plan to know that God's purpose will come through in the end. Amen. And that's true for you today too. But that doesn't make it any less difficult in the moment, right? So that brings me to point number three, our third truth for today. And it's that the goodness of God does not depend on my circumstances. The goodness of God does not, will, ever, will never depend on my circumstances. Because it's real easy for us in the moment to think, if God allows this to happen to me, then he must not be very good. But the flip, I think it's really the, the opposite that's true. And this is what's changed my perspective on life in general. It's that God is good, therefore my circumstances will bow before him. And so what I want to encourage you today too, church, is this. It doesn't always turn out to be a happy ending to the story. We saw what happened to John. Think about Jesus for just a second. I mean, God's very own son, who knew what he was here to do, Right? to die on the cross for us. In the Garden of Gethsemane, just, I mean, shortly before he was to be betrayed by one of his closest friends, 
He was on his knees praying, God, why? I mean, like, if there's any other way, God, to make this plan work, can we please go with that? Remove this cup of suffering for me is what he said. But here's the critical thing. He said, but if not, then your will be done. So they beat him senseless. He had to carry the cross he would be hung on up Golgotha. And as they put the nails in his hands and in his feet, and they spit on him and they mocked him, in the final moments of his life, he looked up to heaven and asked God, why? Why have you forsaken me? And if Jesus in that moment, who knew the plan, who knew the purpose, still struggled in his humanity to remember what the purpose was in this moment, then my friends, we too are going to go through that struggle. But what Jesus knew, and here's the thing too, God was hurting more than Jesus was in that moment. He had to watch his son die. And so what I want you to know today, church, is that three days later, a resurrection came. It didn't happen the way anyone expected. The disciples sure didn't like the way that it went down. They thought they were going to die too. But three days later, Jesus arose victorious. And today, I don't know how the story is going to play out in your life, but God is bringing a a resurrection, a redemption for your story. You with me, church? So even when the story doesn't turn out the way that we expect with the perfect storybook ending, we can know that even though I don't understand the plan, I can trust God in his purpose. That even when he seems silent, he's not absent. He's been working this whole thing together masterfully, preparing a way for you at the very end. And even if it ends with eternity, we know that we get to be with him forever. And that's the victory. Amen. That's it. So today, I have a couple of steps for you, for every person in this room can take one of these steps today. And the first one, it says on the back of your connection card, is that I am praying the prayer to become a Christ follower. And today, if that's you, I want to encourage you, the journey is not easy, but it is always worth it. And checking the box doesn't save you. It's so that we can help you on this journey. But if you don't know what to pray, inside your program, we have this prayer to become a Christ follower. These words themselves don't save you, but they're intentionally written to help you know what to say. But it's really just, God, I need you. (laughs) I am broken. I can't fix this. Can you save me? And he will. He absolutely always will. So please check that box on the back of your connection card because we want to pray for you and be with you on this journey. But today, if you've already made that decision to follow Jesus then where does that leave us? It's the second next step. And this is true for me today. I'm mentally checking this box, first service, second service, and I will again in third service. I will do my best to trust God with my circumstances. It does not mean I'm always going to know. It doesn't mean it's always going to turn out the way I expect. But I will trust that God's purpose will come to pass if I believe and wait on Him. So today, as we get ready to worship, and I'm going to pray in just a moment, I want, to, I want to challenge you with this. Today, will you begin to trust God maybe for the very first time and believe that even when it doesn't make sense, that He ultimately is working out something good for you? That He is always good. He can only be good because He's our God. So today as we worship, I want to encourage you, cast your cares on Him. He knows what you're going through better than you do, and He is with you in this moment. So I'm going to pray, and then, actually, if you do me a favor, let's all stand up, and let's pray together. And after I finish praying, let's just worship him. So we sing this song here again.
Let's pray. Father, you are just so good. You have been. You will be faithful because we know it's true. God, everything that you have ever done points to the the fact that your purpose prevails, that you are good and you are looking out for us even when we don't expect it. So God, help these amazing, wonderful people, God, my people today to trust you maybe like never before, that your purpose will come to pass and that while we're waiting, we can trust you and believe and know that you have given us peace, that there is encouragement, that there is hope at the foot of the cross. God, we thank you so much. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and everybody said, Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.